نسلی علی رسول الکریم اما بعد الحمدللہ today is the 9th of April in the year 2023 الحمدللہ we moved on to the 18th blessed day of the holy month of Ramadan and I've reached verse 20 of Surah Maidah so inshallah today going through up to and including verse 23 so verse 20, أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم And remember Musa said to his people O oh my people call in remembrance the favor of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala unto you when he produced prophets amongst you made you kings and gave you what he had not given to any other amongst the alimeen So here Allah Ta'ala is now mentioning the narrative of Musa alayhi salatu wasalam. And there's a few things mentioned. So first of all, Musa alayhi salatu wasalam, he mentions to his people, إِذْ جَعَلَ فِيكُمْ He made prophets, produce prophets amongst you. So in Ma'rif al-Qur'an, volume 3, page 110 of the English translation, he mentions, in Tafsir Mazhari, no other community has had such a large number of prophets as compared to Bani Israel. So, again here, the prophets we know were sent to all the nations, but according to many of the Mufassirin, no people have been blessed with prophets more than that of the Bani Israel. In a report in Ibn Abi Hatim and Marif al-Quran, Amash rahmatullah said, in only one single period, the last period of the people of Bani Israel, extending from Musa to Isa, alayhi salatu wasalam, 1,000 prophets were sent to the Bani Israel. So between Musa and Isa, alayhi salatu wasalam, 1,000 prophets were sent, alayhi salatu wasalam. So in the grand scale of things, the hadith authentic in Imam Ahmad's Musnad, the Prophet وسلم, said, Allah Ta'ala has sent 124,000 prophets. 313 of them were messengers. So between Musa and Isa, according to A'mash, وسلم, there was a thousand prophets all from the Bani Israel. And also there's a report highlighting this. So the relevant part of the hadith, showing that they were given so many prophets, وسلم, so this narration is in Ibn Jarir, Ibn Abi Hatim, Ruh al-Ma'ani. Abu Ubaidah radiyallahu anhu, he asked the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam certain questions. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, O Abu Ubaidah radiyallahu the Bani Israel in a single morning murdered 43 Prophets. Alayhi salatu wasalam. Some 170 worshippers rose from amongst them to prevent them but they were also killed by the same evening. So, leaving aside the treachery of the Bani Israel, what is it mentioned? In a single morning, 43 prophets. So, again, notice they were blessed beyond measure with prophets and Musa wasalam, highlighted this, I in this verse. Then he mentioned in the verse, وَجَعَلَكُمْ And he made you kings. So here Imam Qurtubi Rahmatullah in his tafsir, volume 6, page 92, 
of the English translation. He said, Abdullah ibn Abbas said, when no one enters a man's house without his permission, he is a king. So according to Ibn Abbas, this makes you a king. If a person has to ask permission to enter your house. Hassan and Zayd ibn Aslam, they both said, if someone has a house, a wife and a servant, he is a king. This is the position we find also in Sayyid Muslim. Abdullah ibn Amr was asked, are we not the poor muhajirun? Abdullah ibn Amr asked the person, do you have a wife? The man said, yes. Abdullah then asked, do you have a house? The man said, yes. Abdullah ibn Amr said, then you are one of the wealthy. The man added, I also have a servant. He said, then you are a king amongst the kings. <laughs> so what makes you a king according to many of the companions of the Prophet that you have a wife, you have a house, and you have a servant. So when Musa said to his people, he made you kings. It doesn't mean our standard. It means he's given you enough from this world. And also, there's a direct hadith in uh, Imam Qurtubi's tafsir. The Prophet said, Anyone who has a house in which he can shelter, a wife and a servant who serves him is a king. And there's a famous hadith in Ibn Hibban Sahih. The Prophet ﷺ, he said, Whoever is safe in the morning in his burrow, healthy in his body, possesses food for the day, he is like someone who owns the entire world. So can anybody be more wealthy than a person who, in, who owns the entire world? And what gives you the entire world? You've got a safe dwelling, safe body, and you've got food for the day. So notice, we are kings. And yet, people say, no, 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 I'm destitute. And the response is, that's your own standard. Right? So these are, and this shows what, what you need to take from the world. You know, you know, it's not something that we should really focus too much upon. And also, there's a report, very famous hadith. So the hadith is in Sayyid Muslim. Sayyid Muslim, number 2958. Nasai, number 3612. Tirmidhi, number 2340. Hassan Sayyid. Ahmad in his Musnad, number 16427. Ibn Kathir's tafsir. Abdullah ibn Ash-Shakhir, I once came to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa and he was reciting this verse. Al-Hakumut Taqathur. The mutual rivalry for piling up diverts you. Then he added, the son of Adam says, Mali, Mali, my wealth, my wealth. But do you get anything of benefit from your wealth except for that which you first eat and you finish? Secondly, that which you clothe yourself with. And thirdly, you wore it out or that which you gave as charity and you spent it. He goes, is there anything other than this that is your wealth? And in another report, the Prophet added, وسلم, the rest you leave for others. The left is for others. So in this very famous hadith, the Prophet وسلم, said, he was commenting upon the verse where Allah Ta'ala says, the mutual piley distracts you. And he goes, man says, mali, mali, and it's true. My wealth, my wealth, how often do people say that? And the Prophet وسلم, this is your wealth. What you eat, what you wear, and what you give in sadaqah. Because the rest is not your wealth. 
So note when the hadith says, take from the world, that is enough for you to live by, that makes you a king. And also Ibn Abbas also confirmed in Abdul Razak Ibn Kathir's tafsir. He recited this portion of verse 20. وَجَعَلَكُمْ مُلُوكَ Made you kings, he said. Meaning, you have a servant, a wife, and a house. And then he quoted the next part where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, وَآتَاكُمْ مَا لَمْ يُؤْتِ أَحَدًا مِنَ الْعَالِمِينَ And he gave you what he had not given to any amongst the alimin. It means during their time. So Ibn Abbas explained, this is in Hakim Sahih, Zahabi Sahih, Ibn Kathir's tafsir. So when Allah Ta'ala says, أَحَدًا مِنَ الْعَالَمِينَ He chose you amongst all the nations for their time. Why? Because it doesn't mean our time. So Musa والسلام, is telling his people this. Then verse 21. Oh my people, enter the holy land which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has assigned for you and do not turn your back ignominiously for then you will be overthrown to your own ruin. So now look how beautiful. He, alayhi salatu wasalam, he goes, Ard al-Muqaddasa. So when somebody says to you, what is Bayt al-Muqaddas? He goes, this is the holy sanctuary. Muqaddas means holy. Quds means holy. Name for Jerusalem. Wal-Ard al-Muqaddas, the holy land. This means Palestine. So Allah testifies that is a correct description for that land. It's a holy land. So Musa told his people, go to that land. But do not turn your back, otherwise you will be in ruin. So now here, it mentions. So Shaykh Maududi, he comments upon this. In his commentary of this verse, in his tafsir, he said, these words of Musa, were made two years after their exodus from Egypt. So Pharaoh had drowned. This was two years after that. The Israelis were encamping in the desert of Paran, which lies in the Sinai Peninsula, near the junction of the northern boundary of Arabia and the southern boundary of Palestine. So this map that you've got now on your phone, if you look at number six, that's Paran. And that is where the Arabian-Palestinian border lies. This is where he gave this speech to the people. Because you need to go to the Holy Land. So verse 22. They said, O Musa, والسلام, in this land are the people of exceeding strength never shall we enter it until they leave it when they leave then shall we enter <laughs> so what did the people say to him the people said to him sorry he goes those people there they're too strong when they leave we'll enter so now Shaykh Maududi again in his commentary of Surah Ma'idah he explains the details of their homeless wandering can be found from the book of Numbers, Deuteronomy, and Joshua of the Bible. So why do I mention that? 
they disobeyed Musa alayhi salatu wasalam. So, in those books of the Bible, it mentions, and he's quoting, Prophet Moses alayhi salatu wasalam dispatched 12 chiefs of Israel from the desert of Paran. So, like I mentioned, he's in that place, number 6, Paran. He's told 12, go and spy, see what the land is like. Accordingly, they spied it out and they returned after 40 days. So how long were they away? Over the month. They came back after 40 days. And they made a report before all of the Bani Israel. They said, Surely it flows with milk and honey, meaning it's blessed beyond measure. But the people are strong that dwell in that land. And we are not able to rise up against them. And all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. They're like giants, the son of Anak, which come of giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers would be in their sight. So what was the report they brought back? Beautiful place, full of blessings, but we can't challenge them. They're giants, we're grasshoppers. At this, all the community wailed out and said, Would that God had killed us in the land of Egypt? Or would God, we would have died in the wilderness? Where has the Lord brought us into this land to fall by the sword that our wives and our children should be prey? Were it not better for us to return to Egypt? So when the report came back, all the Bani Israel kicked off. They goes, what's this? He goes, we might as well have died in Egypt. Let's go back to Egypt. But Yusha and Qalab, who had been amongst the 12 spies, they rebuked the Bani Israel for their cowardice. So these were two of the 12. They goes, shame on you, Qalab, who said, let us go up now at once, possess it, for we are able to overcome it. Then both declared, if the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us. Do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land. The Lord is with us. Fear them not. So two, one of them who became a prophet, Yusha and Caleb, they both said, what are you scared of? He goes, we need to go. But all the congregation stoned them with stones. <laughs> so the two who spoke out, they were stoned. At last, God became wrathful at their continuous misbehavior and decreed, Doubtless you shall now wander in the wilderness 40 years until all that were numbered of you from 20 years old upwards shall fall dead in the wilderness and your little ones grow young. Then I will bring in and they shall know the land. So what did Allah Ta'ala decree in the Bible? He goes, any of you who are over 20 years old, you're going to die in the wilderness. Only the young ones underneath that age will see the decree. According to this divine decree, they took 38 years to reach Jordan from the desert of Paran. So they were stuck in that desert for 40, uh, almost 40 years. After this, during the time of Yusha, son of Nun, the Israelis were able to conquer Palestine. So now, this is all from Sheikh Maududi Rahmatullah the desert of Paran, close to the southern borders of Canaan, from the camp 12 men were sent to spy the land. 
they penetrated as far as Hebron, 150 miles north of their camp, about 20 miles south of Jerusalem. So how far did they get? Within those 40 days, they managed to get 150 miles north of their camp. They were 20 miles away from Jerusalem. They saw a rich country and brought from it pomegranates and figs and bunches of grapes so heavy that it had to be carried by two men and a staff. They came back and reported that the land was rich, but the men were too strong. So the fruit there was something else. They were bringing these fruits back, but they were unwilling to, to fight. So verse 23. But amongst their God-fearing men were two on whom Allah had bestowed his grace. They said, assault them at the proper gate. When once you are in, victory will be yours. But on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, put your trust if you have faith. So like I mentioned, they didn't listen. Allah honored the two by mentioning they were favored by him. These two were favored, which I'll mention. So now this, this traveling, they were now stuck in the desert. So, Shaykh Maududi, if you look at the map, he goes, this is what started happening now. Quote, Musa led the Israelis out of Egypt, brought them to Mount Sinai by the way of Mara. That's the first, number one. So where did he go first from the mountain? Mara. Then he moved to Elim, which is the second. And then to Rephidim in the Sinai Peninsula. That's the third place. Here he stayed for a little over a year and received most of the commandments of the Torah. So look how interesting. Rephidim is a special place. That is the place where he stayed for a little over a year. He received the commandments of the Torah. Then he was commanded to lead the Israelis towards Palestine, conquer it. For the land was to be given to them as an inheritance. So he led them through the fourth place, Tabara. And then the fifth place, Hazeroth. And then it says, and came to the desert of Palan, the sixth place, from where he dispatched a deputation of the prominent Israelis to spy on Palestine. So this is the path, you understand? So up to this point, everything was going sweetly. They got to uh, Palan, the twelfth Spies were sent. The deputation returned after 40 days and made their report at number 7, Kadesh. So look at number 7, that's where they are now. This is where the report is brought back. Except for the encouraging picture presented by Yusha and Qaleb, the report made by the other members was so disappointing that the Israelis cried out in disgust and refused to march to Palestine. Thereupon, Allah the Almighty decreed that they would wander about for 40 years in the wilderness and none of the older generation except Yusha and Qalib would see Palestine. Thus the Israelis wounded homeless in the wilderness of Paran. Then it says, from Paran they moved to number 8, Shur. Then to number 9, Zin all the while fighting and struggling against the number 10, Amalekites. Number 11, the Amorites. Number 12, the Edomites. Number 13, 
the Midianites. And number 14, the Moabites. So it wasn't, but it wasn't enough that they were just moving in the desert, lost. They were fighting these tribes. When the period of 40 years was coming to an end, Harun left the world in Mount Hur. That's 15. Look at number 15. That's where he passed away. Harun near the border of Edom. Now, stopping the court. There's a report which mentions in Umdatul Qadi that Harun buried on Mount Uhud. That's in Medina. So, it says here that he died at Mount Hur. So the response is, he maybe wanted to be transferred there because of his love for the Prophet Just like Musa later transferred. Because I don't want to be buried because take me near the Holy Land. So yes, it mentions that he passed away at 15, Mount Hur. At about this time, Musa entered Moab at the head of the Israelis. He conquered the whole area. He reached number 16, Heshbon. And 17, Shittim. Here in Shittim, he also passed away in the mountains of Abarim, number 18. So this is where Musa passed away, the mountains of Abarim at Shittim. After him, Yusha, his successor, crossed the river Jordan from the east and captured number 19, Jericho. The first Palestinian city to fall to the Israelis. This is why they have a connection here. The first city that fell to the Muslims was Jericho. Later, the whole of Palestine was conquered by them within a short period, which will be mentioned at Surah 5, verse 26. Ila, number 20, Aqaba of the present day in this map is where the Sabbath breakers incident took place. So this is why the map is needed. If you look at, you can see by the way they're traveling, they were lost. But they were fighting these tribes during their lost travels and eventually they managed to get through with the permission of Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So now these two who were blessed with grace. First, just a point to make here. It mentions in the book of Numbers 14-6-10. to Quoting, Yusha, alayhi salatu wasalam, and Qalib, they ripped their clothes. They spoke unto all the company of the Bani Israel, saying, Rebel not against the Lord. Neither fear the people of the land, for they are bred to us. Their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. But all the congregation stoned them with stones. So look how twitching. The Prophet of God, Yusha, to make it even more dramatic, he ripped his shirt and saw the Qalib. He goes, what's the matter with you? He goes, don't fear them. And they start stoning them. Imagine saying, you go. And these were two of the twelve. The other ten didn't, you know, they even there, they backed down as well as Allah. So these two, they were honored. So Hafiz ibn Kathir, he mentioned something about them in his Al-Bidayah. So this is also in Tabri, in his Tariq. The one who took over the affairs of Bani Israel after Musa, والسلام, was Yusha. So this is important, very important. Why? Harun, والسلام, had passed away before Musa. He didn't succeed why is that important to mention? Because the Prophet said to Ali, you are to me as Harun was to Musa, except there'll be no Prophet after me. So that means clearly he wasn't talking about successorship because Harun passed away before Musa. Yusha succeeded him, the reports mentioned. After Yusha, 
Qalab son of Yu'affana, one of the companions of Musa, his brother-in-law succeeded. So what's the succession? Harun passes away, alayhi salatu wasalam. His body is transferred to Man Ukhut according to Hafiz Ain. A year later, Musa passes away, alayhi salatu wasalam. Now, his servant Yusha becomes a prophet, alayhi salatu wasalam, recorded in Sayyid Bukhari. He's appointed to prophethood. Right? So he's appointed to prophethood, he takes over. When Yusha passes away, Qalab, who was one of the two twelve that Allah Ta'ala has honored, the two of the twelve spies, he's, he's not a prophet. He's a sahaba. But he's the brother-in-law of Musa. What does that mean? It either means he married Musa alayhi sister, or more than likely Musa alayhi married his sister. So the brother-in-law Qalab takes over. Hafiz ibn Kathir said he was one of the two men amongst those who feared Allah. Allah Ta'ala mentions in the Quran, he recalls the verse. He goes, the two who were bestowed with grace, i.e. verse 23. Then Ibn Kathir says in Al-Bidayah and Tabri in his tarikh, they both said, after Qalab, the one who took the responsibility of leadership of Bani Israel was Hiskil, Ezekiel, alayhi salatu wasalam, the son of Buzi. It was he who invoked Allah and he revived Surah Baqarah Surah 2 verse 243. Those who went forth from their homes in thousands fearing death. Allah Ta'ala mentions him there. So who succeeded Qalab? A prophet of God. Isqil. Or Hisqil in English, Ezekiel. So what's mentioned about him? In Surah 2 verse 243, Allah Ta'ala mentions that people were scared of death due to a plague. Allah Ta'ala then said, die. And he restored them back to life. Truly, Allah Ta'ala is full of bounty to mankind. Ibn Ishaq al-Bidayah reports on the authority of Wahab ibn Munabbih, that he said, when Allah took Qalab, the son of Yufana, to him after Yusha, he appointed Hiskil, the successor, son of Bozi, who was the son of Al-Ajuz. It was he who made dua for the people. Whom Allah Ta'ala mentioned in his book according to what has been conveyed. So the 2 verse 243. Ibn Ishaq said, They fled from the plague. They camped on a raised area of land. Allah Ta'ala said, Die. And they all died. Both because of the dua of his keel, they all came back to life. So, why am I mentioning this? Because you need to know how successorship took place. They weren't always prophets. A prophet would succeed, a prophet would succeed, but sometimes a sahaba would succeed. And that was Qalab. But was touching, the two immediate successors of Musa were his close companions. Yusha, who became a prophet, but Qalab succeeded Musa. And then after Qalab passed away, he went back to prophet. His keel. So these are the ones whom Allah has bestowed grace. Now why is this a tremendous honor for Zaid? Zaid ibn Al-Haditha, he was the only companion mentioned by the, in, in the Qur'an of Rasulullah, in Surah Ahzab. Allah Ta'ala says, I bestowed upon him grace. So the scholar says, Subhanallah, the same word that Allah Ta'ala used for Yusha, prophet of God, was given to Zaid. So when you look at that verse, people don't appreciate it. You think, what did Allah say? Because the one who I have honored, who I have graced, and you, my prophet, Zaid, so not only is he mentioned by name in the Quran, which is unique for him, 
he's also been given some of that qualities of Nabuat, which Allah Ta'ala blessed the Prophet with. Alayhi salatu wasalam. And also explicitly, in case you're wondering, in Sayyid Bukhari, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, Musa Alayhi Salatu Wasallam's servant was Yusha, who later became a Prophet. So he was given Nabuat, but when he was with Musa, he was a companion of the Prophet. Now what's interesting about that, you need to reflect. Even before their commissioning as a Prophet, the Prophets are sinless. So what's strange is, Yusha, as his term, as a Sahaba, in inverted commas, he never sinned. We don't have any example or any scenario where a prophet prior to prophethood sinned. So when you hear the report when he went with Musa to meet Khidr, three prophets of God now, imagine, but one didn't know. You got Musa going to meet Khidr, a prophet of God, according to the majority of scholars. And who was with Musa? His servant, Yusha. Why did Musa pick Yusha? Because he knew. But at the time, he didn't know maybe that he's going to be succeeding the, the holy prophet. But where did he succeed him? at the sadness after the death of Musa in the desert. And then he was the one who finally opened up Palestine. SubhanAllah. So I'll decide the verse. And we will conclude. Billahi Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. وَإِذْ قَالَ مُوسَى لِقَوْمِهِ يَا قَوْمِ اذْكُلُوا نِعْمَةَ اللَّهِ عَلَيْكُمْ إِذْ جَعَلَ فِيكُمْ أَنْبِيَاءَ وَجَعَلَكُمْ مُلُوكًا وَآتَاكُمْ مَا لَمْ يُؤْتِ أَحَدًا مِّنَ الْعَالَمِينَ يَا قَوْمِ ادْخُلُوا الْأَرْضَ الْمُقَدَّسَةَ الَّتِي كَتَبَ اللَّهُ لَكُمْ وَلَا تَرْتَدُّوا عَلَىٰ قَالُوا يَا مُوسَىٰ إِنَّ فِيهَا قَوْمًا جَبَّارِينَ وَإِنَّا لَنْ نَدْخُلَهَا حَتَّى يَخْرُجُوا مِنَهَا فَإِنْ يَخْرُجُوا مِنْهَا فَإِنَّا دَاخِلُونَ قَالَ رَجُلَانِ مِنَ الَّذِينَ يَخَافُونَ أَنْعَمَ اللَّهِ أَنْعَمَ اللَّهُ عَلِيهِمْ أَدْخُلُوا عَلِيهِمُ الْبَابِ فَإِذَا دَخَلْتُمُوهُ فَإِنَّكُمْ غَالِبُونَ وَعَلَى اللَّهِ تُفَتَوَقَّلُوا إِن كُنْتُمْ مُؤْمِنِينَ We pray to Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He makes the Qur'an, the Rabi of our hearts. And I pray to Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He forgives me for any edits which I may have inadvertently put. Subhanallah bihamdihi subhanallah alhamdulillah bihamdika ashulai lahi illa anta astaghfirullahaladhu bilaika wa zibillahi manishtadhim subhanallah bilizzatihamma yasifun wa salamu ala al-mursaleem alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen bismillahirrahmanirrahim wal asr bin nisan lafi khusr ladhina amunu wa amilu salihan wa asbil haq wa